The Inning Stretch is proudly presented by Printer Dudes. Printer Dudes is your one-stop shop for unique 3D printed gifts and collectibles. From ducks to dinosaurs and everything in between, Printer Dudes has it all. Head on over to printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off your first order. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S, the best 3D printed collectibles this side of home plate. Hey everybody, welcome into the 8th Inning Shorts. I'm AJ, joined as always by my co-host with the most, Carson. Carson, what's up, man? What's up, AJ? What's up, everybody? A uh, little, little, I want to do a little piece of housekeeping on my end to start off the show. I uh, just want to take a moment and apologize to everybody for the lack of an episode on Monday. Um, as the as the calendar flips over to September and the postseason gets closer, unfortunately for me, it also means allergy season. And um, I've got some, I have seasonal allergies, unfortunately. So um, there, there may be some days where um, I may not be able to record because it would sound like I'm ending each word with the letter D, uh, <laughs> how stuffed up I would get. So um, just wanted to let everybody know that that is what's kind of going on with me. Um, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm trying to limit it as best I can, but um, sometimes it can be a little bit of a pain in the neck to try and get some. Uh, some decongestants and things like that. So there may be some days where I won't be able to record, and hopefully you guys will be able to uh, to bear bear with me on that. Uh, no worries, man. You're all good. Uh, that um, yeah. allergy sucks. Uh, in case uh, for those of you out there lucky enough not to suffer from allergies, allergies really really suck. Um, because like Carson said, it's like, it's like being sick, but you're not actually, you know, it's like having a cold, but you don't actually have a cold. It's just, you know, shit flowing around in the air. That's, um, that, uh, basically makes you miserable. So, um, but the good news is if you, if, you know, if there are days that we're, you know, we're not able to record, uh, you guys can always go back and listen to our uh, our back catalog of episodes. So um, there's that. Um, all right, so let's let's dive right in because we have we have a lot to get to. Uh, luckily, even though we weren't able to record Sunday, uh, luckily a lot of what we were going to talk about on 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 Monday's episode for you guys. Uh, is is not going away so um, kind of a kind of a silver lining there um, that includes our poll results uh, which we asked you guys if you were whether or not you were on board with the MLB's new pitch clock and wow this is just I, Carson I'm I'm mildly surprised how overwhelmingly in favor uh, our fans are of the new pitch clock. 75% of you guys said, yes, you are on board with the pitch clock. Only 8.3% said no. And about 16% of you guys were undecided. Uh, Carson, I don't know about you, but I actually come down on the side of undecided. 
Yeah, I'm in I'm in the same boat. I'm also with those 16.3%. Um I'll I'll save my kind of in-depth reactions on this for for when we talk about it, but um I certainly see where the 75% are coming from. Um obviously the biggest thing with that is to try and increase the the pace at which games are played and uh, try and run down some of these game times. Um, but I also see where where the 8.3% are coming from, where it's, you know, they might just feel like, you know, honestly, it's fine the way it is. I don't see why why you had to change it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll save, I'll save most of my, most of my thoughts on this uh, to later in the show when we actually talk about the pitch clock. But yeah, now I'm in the undecided camp because honestly, and I've, Having I've I've seen the pitch clock used at, at the minor league level. I've seen it used in double A. Uh, it seems to work down there. Um, but I just kind of want to wait and see, take a wait and see approach uh, and see how this thing is going to, you know, because let's be honest, double having a pitch clock in double A and having a pitch clock in MLB are, are two very different things. So. Um, but I'll, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll save all that until, uh, until our, our second segment when we actually talk about all these rule changes, um, that are going to kick into effect next year. Um, let's first and start off with talking about Mike Trout because we haven't talked about Mike Trout in a while. Um, Carson, Mike Trout fell just short, uh, of a major league baseball record. He homered. In seven straight games, he fell one game short of Don Mattingly's record of eight straight games with a home run. Yeah, absolutely wild. If if there's anybody that I would expect this from, uh, Mike Trout is certainly at the top of that list. Um, but, I mean, there's there's a reason why Don Mattingly's record has standed as long as it has. Like, this is not an easy feat to do if you really think about it. Like, homering in one game is is one thing, but homering in seven games straight is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, seven seven home seven games in a row with a home run is it's ridiculous. I mean, I think at most, even the best hitters. You know, having home runs in in back to back games is is hard enough. Yeah, I mean, especially you know, even with the modern day, you know, with the modern day baseball, like you know, when when baseballs were, you know, for lack of a better word, juiced for that home run power, nobody even came close to this. So for for Trout mm-hmm. to do it this year is extremely impressive. Yeah, this kind of got me thinking. Um, well, first and foremost, got me thinking. It, this is yet another reminder of how Mike Trout's uh, talents are wasted on the Angels. Sorry, Angels fans. But also, it got me thinking. Okay, so Trout came close. He got to seven. It got me thinking about what other, what other current you know kind of superstar hitters uh, could challenge this record and. The list is pretty short, but I got to be honest, the name that first popped in, into my head was was Aaron Judge. I'm surprised Aaron Judge hasn't come close to this thing. Yeah, I'm very surprised considering the fact that it seems like every pitch he's being pitched, he's hitting out of the ballpark right now. Um, I mean, Judge certainly comes to mind. 
Other than, other than, I mean, I think Judge is the most prominent name that I could probably think of. Like maybe, you know, not not to, not. I don't think the way he plays today, but like a prime Giancarlo Stanton, I could have seen potentially doing this. But yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to think about how short the list is of players that could come close to this record again. Or you know, a prime Pujols. Um, Actually, another name crossed my mind because he's had more home runs uh, since August 1st than even Aaron Judge, and that is uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez of my Seattle Mariners. Yeah, how about Eugenio Suarez, by the way? Just absolutely incredible that he, how well he's been playing since he joined the, joined the Mariners. But it'll, this is something I think that not a whole lot of people think about because it's stood since Don Mattingly was a player, but um, yeah, con- huge, huge props to Mike Trout for, for this accomplishment, because even if it's not the record, this is still an accomplishment in itself, AJ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Carson, do you think this is, uh, do you think this, this home run streak record is, I don't know. To me, it seems like this is this is one of those records that is, um, you know, one of the one of the records that's safer. One of the records that's you know, um, that would be damn near impossible for someone to break. I think this this home run streak record. I think right up there is is right up there with Joe DiMaggio's uh, hit streak of fifty six games. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that this streak is just as is going to be just as hard to break and has been just as hard to break. Um, who knows? We might see it stand as long as Joe DiMaggio's hit streak record ha- has stood. Yeah. Um, that'll be interesting to watch. I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't see anyone getting, you know, seven. I mean, I don't see anyone hitting Homer in seven straight games again uh, for a while. So um, I guess we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> while Mike Trout was, was chasing history, meanwhile, in Cleveland, Carson, we had a little bit of craziness. Um, I was actually watching this game when this happened. Um, and I have to tell you, this is one of the wildest, uh, I mean, this thing just went off the rail so quick. So for those who missed it, uh, the guardians and the angels were playing a game in Cleveland, um, Guardian shortstop uh, Andres Jimenez was clearly, I mean, clearly hit by a pitch. Um, however, home plate umpire uh, Ron Culpa did not see it that way. So um, Guardians manager Terry Francona, well, he was, Carson, to put it mildly, he was a little upset and disagreed with Culpa's opinion um, and got himself tossed. But then, as if that wasn't, you know, whatever, Tito Francona getting tossed from a game, that's not a, you know, that's not exactly a new thing. Um, but because of the Francona's uh, discussion with uh, with Ron Culpa, the Angels relief pitcher didn't get time, adequate time to warm up. So Angels manager Phil Nevin uh, also had a discussion with Ron Culpa, and then Nevin got tossed. 
Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, I mean, first and foremost, like, AJ is a Red Sox fan. You know this better than anybody. Terry Francona getting ejected is not something new. Um, he, when Francona is one of those managers, when he, when he's upset, you will know in short order that he is upset. Um, and I got to, I got to watch a little piece of this. I didn't get to see the game live, but I got to see a little piece of this, um, and one of one of the things that kind of struck me about this was, um, you know, watching watching this footage, Ryan Tapera, who was that Angels relief pitcher, um, asked Ron Culpa essentially, "Why don't I get to warm up?" And Culpa's response, at least from what it from what it looked like in terms of reading his lips, it looked like he said, "Because I said so." Which, wow. first of all. If there's any umpire aside from Angel Hernandez who would pull this kind of thing, it's probably Ron Culpa. Yeah. Um, he's he's kind of been known to be kind of a power trip type of umpire, as a few umpires I'm sure that most of our fans could probably name have been. You know, like your Angel Hernandez, your Joe West. But anyway. But yeah. I wonder if that's almost the thing too that got Nevin upset was that there really was no, there really was no explanation as to why Tapera didn't get to warm up with, other than Culpa saying because I said so. Uh, I actually I missed that. Um, that is that that puts a whole new. I mean. Francona getting ejected for arguing about the hit by pitch, which seriously, do yourself a favor. Pause this, pause the episode, pause this episode, go to YouTube and look this thing up because clearly, I mean, anybody could see that the pitch uh, had hit Jimenez. So, Carson, I, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, both managers had, you know, because let's be honest, sometimes managers argue, uh, Sometimes managers argue. Uh, I don't mean. I mean. I don't want to say it for the sake of arguing, but sometimes the managers argue even though they know they're wrong, even though they don't have a valid point. I think in this case, Terry Francona and Phil Nevin both had completely valid points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's usually pretty. It's pretty rare when you see two opposing managers that um, that you both that you think were both kind of in the right here in terms of their their thoughts on the situation. But for Nevin, he's probably, he's obviously upset because his reliever didn't get a chance to warm up after this giant break in the action happens. And for, you know, for Francona, like he was, he was arguing, you know, he's very much a player's manager. He was arguing for, for his, his players and thought that Jimenez hadn't gotten hit. Although if you watch the video back, I think it was a hit, hit by pitch, but, but yeah, both, yeah, both managers was. certainly had valid points, and uh, you know sometimes those kind of conversations can escalate. I suppose. Yeah, especially when Terry Francona is involved. Um, so I think it's safe to say uh, that we can probably put Ron Culpa in the Umpire Hall of Shame. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> This this incident certainly helps his case for that, but um, 
I mean, obviously, Angel Hernandez will have a golden yeah. plaque in that <laughs> in that Hall of Fame forever and ever. And yeah, and Joe West. Heck, we could have two wings dedicated to both of them. <laughs> Seriously, though, like all joking aside, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what's up with these umpires, um, Carson, but it seems like for some reason, and maybe it's just me, but for some reason, it seems like this year, this season has just been the year of the uh, the year of the idiot umpires. Yeah, there has never been a season that I can remember watching baseball and thinking, you know, the people who want robot umpires have a point more than this season with all of the missed calls and horrible calls and incidents, ejections going on this season. It just feels like everything's been super wild. Yeah, it seems like, I don't know, uh, either these umpires are, I mean, let's be honest, umpires have always been on, you know, for, well, maybe not always, but have for quite a while there have been umpires in Major League Baseball that have been on a little bit of a power trip. Again, the aforementioned Angel Hernandez and Joe West. Um, but, I mean, the the one incident this year that really springs to mind, well, besides this one now, uh, was when Angel Hernandez ejected Kyle Schwarber. Yeah... <laughs> Oh, Angel, we could we could go on and on about the incidents that Angel Hernandez has yeah. had in Major League Baseball. I mean, my goodness, like what what? Uh, oh, gosh, what was it? The AL ALDS where he was at first base and his and there were like three calls that he made that got challenged and all of them were reversed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, we yeah, we could spend the whole episode talking about uh, bad umpires, especially Hernandez and Joe West. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know if I don't know if Major League Baseball needs to send these guys back to training or or clean house or something. But I think it's pretty evident based on this incident and based on everything that's happened this year between umpires blowing calls and and. And just some, some just really downright nasty confrontations between umpires and players. Something's got to change. Yeah, I don't know exactly how this situation gets remedied at this point, but there's got to be some sort of meeting or I don't know what, but something's something's got to change with with the the umpires and a little bit of the players as well because we can't. We can't have yeah. players also just yelling at umpires for, for no good reason. Let's not forget, everybody involved in this is a human being. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I have a suggestion. They can start by firing Angel Hernandez and Joe S. That would be a, that would be a great start. Um, but, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe... Maybe Major League Baseball will will actually step up uh, during the offseason and and do something about this uh, because I don't think we can I don't think we can handle another year of, of this stuff. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna dive headfirst into the rule changes that have uh, been approved, albeit. 
uh, a bit controversially, and that will take effect in uh, starting next season. Uh, you're listening to the eighth inning stretch with Adrian Carson. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to the eighth inning stretch with Adrian Carson. Uh, into our middle segment, and oh boy, big changes coming to Major League Baseball in 2023. Um, so these are basically, these are some of the rule changes that were talked about and kind of, uh, tabled during the labor negotiations, uh, last winter. Um, basically they were kind of set aside as, okay, well, we'll talk about this later because looking at these, well, one of these in particular, uh, it could have been enough to derail the labor negotiations just by itself. So three, Let's run through these real quick, and then we'll get a little more in-depth. So three big rule changes, Carson, coming to baseball in 2023. One is the ban of the defensive shift, which, let's be honest, should have been should have happened years ago. Uh, the bases are going to be made bigger. Again, something that should have been done years ago. And last, and certainly not least, is the most controversial of them, which is the pitch clock. Um just kind of your your general thoughts on these rule changes before we dive more in depth into these things. I think for for me overall, I'm okay with two two rule changes out of the three, um, just to keep a, a just to give kind of a general comment on on each one before, like you said, we kind of dive deep in here. Uh, shift ban, I'm very much in favor of. Um, I get the point of the shift, but at the same time, you know, let's let's let fielders actually get a chance to field in their respective positions. Uh, yep. Bigger bases, I think, will be good because hopefully it'll make calls, you know, bang bang calls a little bit clearer with bigger bases as well as um, less potential for guys getting stepped on rounding bases or things like that. So a little bit for player safety. Uh, pitch clock, like we kind of talked about with our poll results, I'm still kind of undecided on. Um, I'm not sure that that is... I understand that it's for increasing the pace of play, but I just don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go about doing it. So, just for the record, two of these two of these three rule changes were uh, approved by baseball and by the Players Association. I think you can I think you can all guess which two were approved uh, and which one the third one uh, was unanimously voted against by the, the MLB Players Association. Um, so let's start with the shift ban. Um, so essentially what this says is uh, the two two infielders, must be standing on either side of second base when a pitcher's thrown. So no more shifting the shortstop uh, to the same side of second as the second baseman or, you know, stupid stuff like that or moving the third baseman, you know, over to shortstop or anything crazy like that. Um, all four infielders must now have both feet within the dirt boundary of the infield when the pitcher is on the mound. Again, makes perfect sense to me. 
but this this third point, Carson, is is what I like best about this change, and that is infielders cannot switch sides of second base unless a substitution is made. Yeah, I think that that point in particular, I think, is going to be is going to be key here because if you think about it, second base is kind of the spot where most most shifts kind of take place around if that makes sense like the third the third baseman and the shortstop usually come over to the other side of second base yeah or at least move a little bit closer over there like central second base is kind of the central focal point of the shift so making this this point that you can't switch sides unless a substitution gets made i think is a really big deal when it comes to to the shift ban yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, we've all seen it a million times. You know, like you said, the teams will like teams will move the shortstop over. You know, so you'll have the second baseman and the shortstop on the same side of second base, uh, or the third baseman. You know, basically playing shortstop and leaving. You know, um, yeah. This is just this is this is a smart move all around. Um, Carson, I think the biggest thing for me is. I think this I think this actually benefits fielders and hitters because well and I think it and by extension I think it benefits pitchers too. Um but especially fielders because like you said, fielders will will now actually get to, you know, play their play their actual position. But I think it benefits hitters too, because now hitters don't have to worry about hitting into the damn shift anymore. Yeah, and I mean Certainly, certainly, I think hitters will also see a benefit in this because, you know, obviously, most more often than not, the shift does get a hit into. Like, let's let's not make any bones about it. It is very hard for a player who to hit to hit opposite field. Like, mm-hmm. it just you know, no matter if you're a major league hitter or a minor league hitter, heck, even little league, you can. It is very hard to hit on the opposite side of the field from, from wherever it is you bat from. So hitters will get an opportunity to actually, you know, on a, on a ground ball, they don't really have to worry about that anymore. I mean, fielders don't have to worry about that anymore either. Like if a guy did happen to hit it opposite field, it's like, well, there is literally nobody there. So that's probably extra bases. So uh, both sides, I think hopefully will have a benefit here and, um, you know, certainly I think it'll be a big adjustment for the fielders, but, um, at the end of the day, I think this is g- going to be good for the game. Yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with this. And I, I was just thinking when you were talking about, you know, hitters hitting opposite field, I mean, even some of the, even some of the best hitters of all time, um, a particular example that jumps to mind is, uh, David Ortiz um, of my Red Sox, it seemed like every time he came up to bat, especially when they played the Yankees, um, but pretty much every time he came up to bat with with runners in scoring position, uh, there you go. There comes the shift. Um, Carson, I just I can't help but wonder, had baseball actually done this years ago, like some of their, you know, some of the some of the best hitters uh, who put up big numbers could have put up even bigger numbers with this with the shift band. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you've it'll be interesting to see 
um, looking at some guys who are usually the ones who get into the shift the most often, it'll be interesting to see what their numbers look like once the shift is eliminated, if things get better for them or if things get get worse or maybe their average stays the same. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, so the shift ban, yes, good thing. Long overdue uh, point for Major League Baseball. Okay, let's move on to the second of these three rule changes. Uh, bigger bases. Again, this is something that should have been done years ago. So basically what's happening here is uh, the size of the bases are being is being increased from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you actually think about it, um, those three square inches is going to make a big difference. Um, one, I mean, I think the biggest thing about this is it gives runners and fielders more room on the bases. So kind of like what Carson was alluding to with those, you know, those bang, bang calls at bases, maybe, you know, will be a little easier, uh, you know, to act to make a call. Um, but the, the key point of this is that this improves player safety um, because I, I don't know about you, Carson, but I didn't think this might cut down on, uh, incidences of, of guys getting spiked when players slide into a base. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you think about, you know, when, when guys are stealing bases too, like that's, that's especially a scenario where, where guys could get unintentionally spiked. So hopefully this, you know, again, like AJ said, it doesn't seem like all that much going from 15 to 18 inches, but it really could make a world of difference in terms of, you know, guys sliding into into a base and not getting spiked and, um, you know, potentially creating some more stolen base opportunities for, for some of the speedsters that are out there on the base path. So um, yep. hopefully this will improve player safety and we won't see as many guys getting getting cleated as, as we have seen in years past. Well, I know one player who's not happy about this. Uh, I know Manny Machado is probably pissed about this um, because now How he won't be able I to... How did I know st- that that's where you were going with that? <laughs> hey... I'm not I'm not saying all I'm saying is had this been implemented a year a few years ago uh one certain second baseman for my Boston Red Sox might still be playing or could have played a few more years had it not been for Mr. Machado and his uh intentional spiking of defensive players at second base. Sorry Manny, you can't do that anymore. The bases are too big now. Um uh, but seriously, yeah, the, I mean, basically, the bigger bases, it decreases the distance between the bases. And I don't know about you, Carson, but I think we're going to see a maybe not a huge jump in the number of stolen bases, but I think there's going to be a bump. Yeah, I think there will certainly be a bump. And I mean, I don't think we're going to see anything too crazy like, oh, oh, my goodness, Alejandro Kirk is all of a sudden leading the league in stolen bases like <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that like we're you know, you're still going to see probably the same type of guys at the top of the leaderboards for stolen bases, but it might just create a little bit more parity in that department. Uh, we were talking about records earlier. Uh, might the decreased distance between bases might that uh, maybe possibly threaten Ricky Henderson's stolen base record? 
Interesting. You know, it, that's something I never really thought of, but it certainly could. I don't know if it will, but um, because, my goodness, he was a demon on the base paths. Um, but it, it certainly it certainly could impact that, and it certainly could help somebody get very close to breaking that record, yeah. Um, I'm currently pulling up the... <laughs> All time stolen base. Wow. Well, I don't know because I'm not seeing a whole lot of. Seriously, I'm looking for an active player on this list. Uh. Good grief. I don't see an active player on this damn list. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, Ricky Henderson, 1,406 career stolen bases. That's obviously, I mean, that's that's just ridiculous, especially when you consider the next closest player to him is Lou Brock, uh, who only, who only quote-unquote, had 938 career stolen bases. Um, yeah, I mean, this is probably... Carson, I don't know, man. That's still a base record. That might be the most that might be the most untouchable record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see if these bigger bases do have an impact, but like I kind of said, I don't think it'll help anybody even get remotely close still. No, especially when you consider the current active leader uh active leader in in major league baseball for stolen bases is D Gordon with 336 um okay oh, well to be fair all right i'm i'm the first to admit when i'm wrong maybe i got a little carried away with thinking that you know somehow uh, the bigger bases and shortened base paths would 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 help someone chase down Ricky Henderson. Um, I didn't realize just how far ahead Ricky Henderson was um, from anybody else. Uh, yeah, that record's pretty much untouchable. Um, okay, now we come to the by far the most controversial of these rule changes and the only one that I'm 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 kind of on the fence about um, and that of course is the pitch clock so oh which by the way was the only one of these rule changes that the MLB Players Association unanimously voted against I mean not really a surprise but still that should tell you what you need to know uh, so how this thing works Pitchers, uh, there will be a 15-second timer um, for pitchers to to throw their pitch. Uh, 20 seconds when there are runners on base. Um, So basically, in other words, uh, the pitcher must begin their wind-up before the timer runs out. So they don't actually have to throw the pitch before before the timer runs out. They just need to start their wind-up. uh, pitchers can step off the mound and reset the timer twice during an at bat. Uh, hitters must be in the bat seat, and this is my this is my big sticking point here. Um, this is why I'm I'm kind of undecided about this thing. Hitters must be in the batter's box with at least eight seconds left on the clock, 
and are only allowed one timeout per at bat. Now, Carson, I'm all for increasing the pace of play. And I've seen I've seen the pitch clock, like I mentioned this before, I've seen it in double A. It works in double A. Um, but my what I don't like about this thing is the fact that we're limiting hitters to only one timeout per at bat. Yeah, that it's kind of interesting because I would have figured that it might have been it would be the other way around in terms of the pitchers would be limited more than the hitters would because, um, you know, there's there's a lot of hitters that probably aren't going to be able to get used to only being able to call time once per at bat. And, I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't really go into detail of what happens when, you know, what happens when the batter calls time and they've already used their one timeout. Like, do they get a penalty? Like, it yeah, right. like, <laughs> like there's there's nothing really clear about it. Is it like like does, or, does the pitcher get a free strike? Do they get a free or what happens strike? when the what happens if the pitcher steps off the mound more than twice during an at bat? Exactly. Like does their does their clock just go? Do they lose a couple of more seconds? Like does the oh clock God. just keep going? Do they have to like pause the game? Like. Uh, I would feel a lot better about it in terms of those two things if I knew what you know what the consequences of breaking those rules were. Like it's very vague. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Or another thing, uh, what happens if the what happens if the you know if that fifteen second or twenty second timer runs out before the pitcher starts their windup? Do we get a do we get a shot clock violation? I mean, like. Yeah, um, I mean, this is just... Shot clock violation, you have to throw them on right down the middle. Yeah, seriously. Like, our team's going to be awarded a, like... Maybe, even maybe it counts as a walk? That would be kind of messed up. It would uh, be, but I'm just... I don't know what else... What yeah, other I don't know. I don't know what else you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't... I honestly don't know. Um, and the fact that they're not being more specific about what happens if any of these rules are breaking, broken uh, scares the hell out of me, to be honest. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm all for increasing pace play because let's be honest, the average, you know, your average baseball game is pushing three hours nowadays, which is utterly ridiculous. Um I'm all for increasing the pace of play, and I, and I'll be honest, I don't have any specific suggestions, but Carson, there has to be a better way of increasing pace of play. Yeah, what what exactly it could be that I could not tell you, but I mean, I don't know. There just there has to be something else that we can we can do. The pitch the pitchers have already been been messed with, beat around enough with with this whole pace of play thing with limiting mound visits and. Yeah. all that stuff it's like oh you know what the the pitchers are just the punching bag for it it's like boom limited mound visits and now boom you get a pitch clock like uh i the the more i talk about it the more i feel like i'm on the no but at the same time <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> but at the same time i still i still do understand that it's all trying to improve the pace of play because like you said like Three hours is an insane amount of time to spend doing anything. Like, 
Yeah. That's, you know, obviously when you put it as three hours, like, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about it, that is 180 minutes of your time that you are spending I mean, watching a baseball game. Not that I don't absolutely love going to the ballpark oh, and course. watching a baseball game, but the average so far this year, the average time uh, for a nine inning game. Now, keep in mind. This is a this time this this time is for a nine inning game. This isn't even counting extra innings. Uh, the average time of a nine inning game so far in 2022 is three hours and four minutes. Last year, last year the average time for a nine inning game was three hours and ten minutes. That's fucking ridiculous. No, yeah, and ab- like like you said, if if it came, I hope it didn't come across. Like I love going to baseball games. Like. I'm not I'm not trying to discourage anybody from going to baseball games or anything like that. It's just three hours is a long time. And there are already some people who are just going and tagging along with their significant others who are staring at their phones already anyway. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, not all of us are, you know, diehard hardcore baseball fans. Uh in fact, out of my, I mean, pretty much like just just personally, like out of my out of my friend group, I'm I'm pretty much the only I'm the only devoted, shall we say, sports fan out of my friend group. So when I go to a sporting event, whether it's baseball, hockey, whatever, you know, with with my friends, like, you know, it's it's already you know I mean three hours is a long three hours is a long time for me even as a diehard you know hardcore baseball fan, but think about like Carson said like like you said Carson think about that how that impacts you know the casual fan. Yeah the the casual fan is already going to have a hard enough time tuning in I think to begin with, but then to have it drag on for over three hours like. They're, if they're watching it at home, you'll probably look out over after hour one and they might be taking a nap already. Like, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Well, I mean, at least if you're watching it from home, you can, you know, you can change the channel or whatever. I mean, if you're at the game, like, man, that's just, that blows my mind. Three hours. That's insane. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't. Carson, I don't know about I don't know if you have any you know uh, any specific suggestions on how to increase space of play, but I sh- I I I'm actually I'm kind of at a loss. And that's that's the troubling thing too is it's is it's like you know we could pick this apart all day long, but what other solutions are out there right now? It just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of other things that that Major League Baseball can do. No, I mean, the only, if I had to spitball, I mean, the only thing I could think of, and I don't even know if this would work, um, but I mean, I know there's been talk in the past about raising the mound. I don't know. I don't know if that would help, but um, that's really the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I don't know how much good that that would potentially do in terms of piece of play really but um yeah that that's the frustrating thing is that we literally can't think of anything else yeah yeah i don't know um but i guess well i mean i'm i'm tempted to just 
I'm tempted to just flat out reject this pitch clock thing and be like, this is a stupid fucking idea. You know, like, this is dumb. But I'm trying to keep an open mind, and I can't I can't deny that that something needs to be done to speed up uh, the pace of play. Because, Carson, I think... I think two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes even is pushing the limit of a baseball game. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Like ideally I'd probably want like, you know, I'd be cool with like a two hour 15 baseball game. Like I'd be cool with that, but we've got, I think we've got a lot of work to do before we even get close to that number. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Although, who knows? We could be we could be way off here. The pitch clock could come into effect next year, and it could suddenly, you know, it could cut game times down under you know under two and a half hours. I mean, it's possible, unlikely, but possible. Um, so those those are the big rule changes uh, coming to baseball in twenty twenty three. So I think we all need to. <laughs> I think we all need to prepare because baseball is going to look a little different next year. Um, in some aspects, uh, that's a good thing. And in others, well, I guess we'll just wait and see how this pitch clock thing actually works. Um, all right, let's take our last break. When we come back, we're going to get to my favorite part of the show, which is the mailbag. Uh, and as per usual, you guys have absolutely crushed it with your mailbag questions. So uh, I'm excited to dive into those. You're listening to the eighth inning stretch with AJ and Carson, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the eighth inning stretch with AJ and Carson into our third and final segment and into my favorite part of the show, which is our mailbag. Uh, And as per usual, you guys crushed it with the mailbag questions. Um, and as per usual, I apologize that we can't get to more of them, but, uh, you guys just straight up flood us with these things. Um, and we could turn this into a two hour show. Um, if we, if we, if we answered all of them. Um, so if you've sent one and we haven't gotten to it, I'm sorry. I know you're probably frustrated. Just know that I do kind of, uh, I do kind of file them away and, and, you know, if there's a really good one that, um, I don't think we'll have time to get to, um, I usually kind of file it and, um, you know, just, just file it away and, and we'll try to use it in a future episode. So, um, and of course you can send us your mailbag questions. Uh, you can send them to us directly on Twitter at eighth inning pod, or you can email them to us at, um, Eighth inning stretch at gmail.com. All right, let's dive right in. First one comes from Joel in Arizona, and he wants to know, Carson, uh, would you watch a hard knocks style baseball show? Um, in a word, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it would be really cool to to kind of go in depth like Hard Knocks does with the NFL for uh, for Major League Baseball. My question though for you, AJ, to kind of bounce off of Joel's question here. What team would you want to most see in highlighted in a show like this? Um, I bet all of you are probably expecting me to say the Red Sox. Um, 
However, I mean, that would be cool. Don't get me wrong, but I've seen pretty much all the Red Sox stuff I'm ever going to see, you know, like, um, geez, that's tough. Um, well, I will say this. I wouldn't, what I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to see, uh, you know, one of the, one of the huge supermarket super teams. So sorry, Yankees fans, uh, no Yankees, no Dodgers, uh, probably no Mets. Um, yeah, man, that's tough. I'd want to, I'd, because one of the cool things about hard knocks is, you know, they, they, they kind of, they focus on hard knocks is when hard knocks is really good. It's when they focus on one of the, I mean, I don't know if you'd say lesser known teams, but uh, man, I don't even, you know what? The Miami Marlins. You know, it's funny that you should mention the Marlins cause they were definitely in consideration for me. Cause with, with these shows, I like a little bit of dysfunction and, the, exactly. the stories that have popped up with Jazz Chisholm, I don't want to see that. But, you know, kind of going off of your point of the lesser known teams or teams that are kind of on the on the on the rise, I don't want to see the Baltimore Orioles. There you go. That's another solid pick. Yeah. If they're going to if they were going to do something like this, I want to see one of the I want to see them do it. You know, I want to see them focus on a team that may, that doesn't get that doesn't normally get a lot of attention. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's when like shows like Hard Knocks are great, is when it's focused on these teams. Like, like this season with the Detroit Lions. Exactly. Awesome. So good. Um. Yeah, I think the Marlins, the Orioles, the Rays. I don't know. Maybe if the Rays were at Hard Knocks, people in Florida would actually start paying attention to them. Um. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Hey man, I can't let an episode go without without taking a jab at, at Florida baseball fans. No, but seriously, I mean, how cool would it be to watch uh, guys like you know Randy Rosarena and and I'm sorry, I'm struggling to think of another race player. <laughs> Tyler Glass now. Yes, Isaac thank you, Perez, Tyler Glass now. Kevin Seriously though, how cool how cool would it be to see the Rays like on a on a hard knock style baseball show? Oh, that'd um, be so cool. The Diamondbacks, that would be another good one. Um with the crazy mad bum, absolutely. I mean, I could the Guardians, that would be fun. Uh, the Pirates, um, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays don't get any love. You know, yeah, the Blue Jays I mean, can be good. Especially considering they're the only Canadian team in Major League Baseball. I mean, no kidding. Um, hell, I'd even I'd watch the Rockies. I mean, I, there's a there's a bunch of teams. Basically. What I'd want them to do is just stay away from the usual suspects, you know? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, you know, stay away from the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, 
uh, you know, any of those the brewers that would the brewers would be another fun uh, would be another fun one to watch, um, especially considering we, uh, you know, we could get a we could get a Bob Euchre cameo, maybe. That would be cool. Right. I mean, who doesn't who wouldn't want to watch Bob Euchre? I mean, the dude's a treasure. Absolutely. Uh, no. Yeah, seriously, though. I mean, I think there's a ton of opportunity there. Um, and I don't know who could make that happen. This thing happened. But somebody needs to get on this pronto because um, I don't know about you, Carson, but Hard Knocks is great. And I think not only should it not only should baseball get a, you know, baseball get a Hard Knocks type series. I mean, I think that kind of thing could be fun in 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 pretty much any of the of the major sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've they've done one before for like with the NHL, they do one for the Winter Classic. So maybe they could do a baseball one for for the All-Star game or something like that or some of the international yeah. series that are coming up. Um, basketball, even I would totally watch an NBA hard knock style thing. Um, I mean, one of the best. I know. I hear you all. Jesus. Now they're talking about basketball. Um, no, bear with me for a second, though, because I'm a. For those of you who don't know, I am a. I am a. I am a huge cinephile. I love movies. I'm also a. I'm a colossal documentary nerd, um, and one of the best documentaries I've ever watched. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's it's the. Um, it's part of the Last Chance You series. But it focused on a uh, on a junior college basketball team in in L.A. in Compton, actually, um, or in East L.A. I think no, it was in East L.A. Um, uh, it was it's called Last Chance U Basketball, um, and it was it was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. So, um, anyways, uh, all right, let's let's move on to our second question. Uh, before I go completely off the rails here, uh, Corey from Connecticut, uh, Yankees country, um, <laughs> wants to know, Carson, what we think about, I mean, let's be honest, Connecticut, y'all pretend to be part of New England, but I know better. I know you're actually, you know, you're just an extension of New York, but that's beside the point. Um, Corey wants to know what we think about Yankees fans chanting Yankees suck at their own team. Uh, Carson, frankly, I am not even remotely surprised by this. For This is just another example of Yankees fans proving that they're the worst fans in baseball. Yeah, as much as I hate to hate to agree by calling people the worst fans, like, I mean, and, but at the same time, like, you know, this is what New York sports fans kind of are especially when it comes to when their teams have success because it's such a big market. When their teams have success, it's automatically like, you know, when they have success, especially over a sustained period like the Yankees have, it's basically a we need to win this division by by like multi-digit games. Like we need to win this division by 15 games or, or 20 games. And in reality, they are leading the division by six. So I think Yankees fans are just a little bit too, a little bit too eager. Isn't necessarily the right word, but um, in, they're spoiled. Well, yes, also that they've they've had they've had a lot of success, <laughs> and that success has made them think that a 
division lead of six games is not a good lead. Yankees fans, you guys are just, they're just never, Yankees fans are just never happy. I mean, uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to try to restrain myself because I don't want to go off on too much of a rain here. But seriously, Carson, this Yankees team at one point in the season, we were talking about them as being on pace for 120 wins, which let's be honest, was a bit of a stretch, but this team at one point very well could have broken the single season win record. And then they have just, well, Joey Gallo put a curse on the Yankees as he was on his way. I was get, as he was walking out of the stadium to get on his plane to Los Angeles. Um, seriously though, like chanting, I mean, for those who aren't familiar with this, the Yankees suck chant that was started by Red Sox nation. You're welcome. Um, that's what we chant at the Yankees when they're at Fenway. Like, Yankees fans chanting it at their own team, Carson. I mean, that's just, it's so fucking, it's just ridiculous. Plus, also, might I point out, the Yankees are currently on a four-game winning streak, so. Yeah, and the Yankees fans right now are going, well, why isn't it a five-game winning streak? Um, no, Yankees fans are the absolute worst fans in baseball. Um. This is just another example of that. Um, and uh, apologies to apologies to the rest of New York because uh, the rest of New York fans are probably ashamed by y- Yankees fans. Um, so if you're in New York, you know, if you're a smart New York sports fan, let's be honest, you're a Mets fan. So um, anyways... But now that I've pissed off the entire city of New York, I'm sorry. Um, I, seriously, though, disclaimer: I have absolutely, I love New York. I love the city of New York. I love some of the people there who aren't Yankees fans. Um. Anyways, so I just want to throw that out there. I may, I know I probably, I sometimes I come across as anti New York, but I'm really not. I'm just anti Yankees and anti Yankees fans. The rest of New York, you guys rock. Uh, one of the best, one of the greatest cities in the world. Just for the record. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, before I dig myself any deeper here, um, let's get to our last mailbag question. Uh, Bailey, all the way from Vancouver. Very cool. Um, I'm guessing a Blue Jays fan because, uh, again, the only Canadian team in Major League Baseball until uh, the Tampa Bay Rays pack up and move back to Mo- and move to Montreal. Um, Bailey wants to know which playoff team could make a surprise run. Um, I don't know, Carson. I think this is kind of a take your pick. Well, for for me, this uh, this question is, or my answer will probably make Bailey happy if they are a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays, because I'm yeah. picking the Toronto Blue Jays. I've stuck with them as my American League World Series representative for the whole year, and I'm still sticking with them. I mean, the combination of Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette, like, let's not forget that that combination exists, plus the resurgence of Teoscar Hernandez in the lineup. They still have George Springer on that team, don't forget. 
Um, you know, Kevin Gossman has continued to be one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball, in my humble and honest opinion. Um, I mean, it seems that ever since they fired Charlie Montoyo, like, this team has taken off again. Like, Matt Chapman's having a bit of a resurgence as well. Like, Alec Manoa, Ross Stripling's been really great this season. Um, like, Jordan Romano's been one of the best closers in baseball. Like, this this team has the pieces to to make a deep playoff run for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. The Blue Jays have been... Man, if not for that ridiculous uh, tear that the Yankees went on to start the season, I, I, and I think I think the Blue Jays could have been right there in the thick of that AL East race, um, and the Rays too, probably. Um, all right, if we're talking teams that are, if the season ended today, are currently in the playoffs, uh, I'll tell you one better. I'll give you one from the American League and one from the National League. Uh, my one from the National League, I'll start in the National League. I'll give the National League a little love here. Uh, my my team that I think could really go on a surprise run, Carson, uh, although I don't know how much of a surprise it would be at this point, uh, would be the Philadelphia Phillies. I, I, I just freaking love this team. Yeah, it's incredibly good, and not to mention uh, you probably also love them because they have Kyle Schwarber. That has absolutely ne- no. I'm kidding. Of course it does. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, man. I just want to see the dude win. If he can't, if he's not going to win in Boston, I just want to see the dude win. So yes, I am biased towards the Phillies because of Kyle Schwarber, which is certainly valid. I mean, let's not forget they also have this guy known as Bryce Harper, and oh yeah, I think he's pretty good at baseball. He's not bad. Um, I mean, Jan Segura is is back on the team, and not to mention their pitching is still pretty solid with Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, among other really good pieces. So, yeah, the the Phillies I think should be should be a dark horse in the NL. Yeah, if I'm if I'm one of those you know top National League contending teams like the Dodgers or the Mets, um, or hell, I'll throw the Cardinals in there too. Um, yeah, if I'm in the if I'm any of those National League teams, I do not want to face the Phillies come October. Um, so that's my National League pick. The American League, um, well, Carson took the Blue Jays, so um, well, let's be honest. If the Mariners go on a run, nobody will be surprised. Well, I won't be. The rest of you might be. Uh, no, seriously though, Carson, the Cleveland Guardians, the team formerly known as the Indians, I don't know if you remember this, but we way, way back at the beginning of the season when we did our prediction episode and we were talking about the AL Central, even though it's the by far the worst division in baseball this year, when we were talking about the AL Central, I said, I said it then, don't sleep on Cleveland as long as, as long as Tito Francona is at the helm of that team, I the Cleveland Guardians could just absolutely go on a tear in October in the American League. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> they're back on top of the division again. But yeah, um, I would be very intrigued to see them go into the postseason because, again, 
the AL Central is not very good. This is not necessarily breaking news here, but this this division's been very bad all year. Um, so it would be I would be hesitant just because I'd want to see them go up against some of these high level teams in these series. Um, so I'm a little hesitant on them as of right now. Uh, but you know we've we've still got we've still got time left for for them to change my mind. And oh, by the way, Carson's twins play the Guardians starting tomorrow. So, um. come on, we need that series. Come on. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, how bad has the AL Central been this year? Um, I would I would call the AL Central. The AL Central has been the NFC East of Major League Baseball this year. Um. <sighs> Oh, sorry, Cowboys fans. Too soon. Um, anyways. Uh, all right. Let's talk about our must-watch games. Uh, thank you, everybody, again, for your mailback questions. Uh, and, again, you can send them to send them to us at 8th Inning Pod uh, on Twitter or um, the more reliable direct route is to email them to us at 8th Inning Show at gmail.com because – uh, Twitter hates me sometimes, and and they don't always come through. So, uh, all right, let's talk about our must-watch games. Um, not a whole heck of a lot going on. Got the Orioles and Blue Jays, which is a game that has playoff implications. Which, sorry, I still can't believe that's actually a, that's a thing. Um, Twins and Guardians, I talked about, uh, but Carson, I'm going. Well, I've got a couple picks. I've got the Phillies and the Braves, which old school knockdown, drag out, and at least rivalry, which is always fun to watch. Uh, the Dodgers and Giants, although some of the most of the suspense has been taken out of that one at this point. Um, but the one that really, the game on the schedule that really, really jumps out to me, and I don't know why. I think this is kind of a, well, this was kind of a throwback too. The Yankees and the Brewers in Milwaukee. That's a, that's a throwback to some of the uh, to some of the you know the older World Series matchups. Yeah, we're we're really throwing it back old school with with that series out in Milwaukee. It should be should be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, the the Twins and Guardians series is very very close to my heart. Um, for for those of you who are regular listeners, you will know I am a Twins fan and. Um, to put it bluntly, this this series I truly believe will decide our season. Um, because if we can't if we can't win this series, the the season's basically over. You're not going to catch the Guardians, who are currently in the lead of the AL Central. So, like this isn't me just this isn't me just being a panicked Twins fan, being like, oh my goodness, if we don't win this, the season is over. This is me saying, if we do not win this series. The season will be over. But to get off of that lack of thought, because I don't want to get get like that, because otherwise I'll have my twins rant ready to go, but I want to save it for a little bit yet. Time to talk Tankathon series. We've got a couple of really good, really good contenders, I think, this this time around, but uh, I hate to do it to them because I'm always picking on them. But we're going to the nation's capital for the Washington Nationals <laughs> and the Miami Marlins. 
So if you like bad baseball and want to see Jazz Chisholm talk a bunch of smack to a bunch of minor leaguers, go watch that series. That is some bad baseball. Um, I think a good alternate pick for your tankathon would be the Rockies and the Cubs. Yes, that was the other series that was in play. Yeah, those are those are a couple of couple of bad ones. Um, and we just have some really we have a couple of really lopsided matchups that I noticed. Uh, we've got the A's and the Astros. That's a slaughter. Card- Cardinals and Reds, man. Pirates and Mets. Boy, the schedule makers really hate these uh, last place, lower, you know, struggling teams to have them have to play these just juggernauts at this point in the season. Uh, But take heart, Pirates and Reds and A's fans. Um, The season is almost over. And in the case of the A's fans... Maybe one of the last seasons of, of having your team in Oakland. Who knows? Um, I hope not, but uh, I hope I'm wrong about that, but we'll see. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about our parting thoughts. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, today is Roberto Clemente Day, uh, celebrating the life and the career of the great, the late, great Roberto Clemente. Um who, of course, played his entire career with the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1955 to 1972. Um, and as impressive as his, his on-field accolades are, and I, I will run them down for you real quick, um, he was a career 317 hitter, 3,000 hits, 240 home runs, over 1,200 RBIs, um, and quite the, quite the resume. 15-time um, All-Star two-time World Series champion, uh, National League MVP, a 12-time Gold Glove winner. Oh, by the way, he won 12 Gold Gloves in a row. Um, he was also a four-time National League batting champion and was uh, posthumously inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame following his death in 1973. Everybody knows all that. Um, what a lot of people aren't aware of is that uh, Roberto Clemente grew up in a, he was born in Puerto Rico, grew up in, in uh, an extremely, uh, extremely poor family in an extremely poor country. Um, and it was his, it was his talent on the baseball fields uh, that got him got him out of Puerto Rico and, and to the States and with the pirates. But um, even after he was a major league baseball superstar, he was still heavily involved in charity work uh, in his native Puerto Rico, as well as all over Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, and uh, let's unfortunately led to his, his untimely, uh, his untimely death. Um, he died on December 31st, 1972, uh, while flying supplies and food to earthquake victims in Nicaragua. And basically, he was he decided to fly on one of the planes himself because the supplies and the food were being stolen by the Nicaraguan government at the time. And so he decided that he was going to go himself to make sure the victims of the earthquake 
um, got their the supplies and food that they so desperately needed. Um, and unfortunately, the plane was um, well. The plane wasn't exactly mechanically sound, um, and it crashed shortly after takeoff. Um, so, in honor of the late great Roberto Clemente, in honor of his unbelievable accomplishments on the baseball field, but also his humanitarian efforts, uh, just just take a minute today and and just pause and 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 remember him. Um, because he was a, he was a goddamn treasure and he was taken from us, uh, entirely too soon. Um, and on a bit of a side note, I would, I'm going to give you my second documentary recommendation of the episode. Uh, do yourself a favor, check out the PBS documentary about Roberto Clemente. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a great watch. Um, it chronicles his entire life from, Growing up in Puerto Rico to uh, his early struggles with the Pirates and uh, and his rise to superstardom and of course you know concluding with his um, with his with his passing but also really delves deep into all the all the amazing things he did uh, through his charity and humanitarian efforts all the amazing things he accomplished uh, and all the people he helped all over Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, and I'll be honest, I always knew he was involved in charity and I knew he died in a plane crash. But before I watched that documentary, I had no I had I just had no idea of how just how much uh, he had done for for uh, for people. So, yeah, well, well, well said, man. Uh, you know, there's there's very much a reason why the, the humanitarian award given out is the Roberto Clemente Award. Um there's a very good reason for yeah. that. You'd be hard pressed to find a better human being than uh, Roberto Clemente. And just before I get into into my final thoughts, as as uh, you know, relating to Roberto Clemente Day, um, I just saw that the Rays are planning on fielding the MLB's first all Latino lineup today. So shout out, Hell shout yeah. out to the Rays, especially for for doing that on uh, Roberto Clemente day. Um, yeah. So Very cool. I don't know how exactly to transition over into my final thoughts from that. Um, but my, my final thoughts are actually on a topic I've referenced before. No, it's not the twins. Um, it's actually about <laughs> the MVP race. Um, as it currently stands, it's between Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani, as we all know. And if there's one thing I hate, not just in baseball, but in other sports, if there's one thing I hate about MVP races, it's that it causes just so much debate and divide between fan bases. But what, what I'm hoping comes from this MVP race is that we all are able to take a second and realize that we are in the presence of two of the greatest seasons we may ever see. Um, one of course being from more of just a hitting standpoint with Aaron judge, who is first in just about every hitting category, it seems. And the other being of course, Shohei Otani, who is once again, proven to be a two way superstar. Um, it just, it really hurts, hurts to see baseball fans getting, getting into these arguments about who should be MVP. And it feels like it's, 
and in any other sport as well, it feels like we don't often take the time to just sit back and realize that we are in the presence of greatness and two of the greatest seasons that we will ever see and one of the greatest MVP races, I think, that I can remember, at least, AJ, for the past few years between two. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my final thoughts is just, you know, as much fun as it is to sometimes debate um, which guys which guys should be named MVP, um, you know, let's, let's just take a minute to realize how – how great of seasons these guys are having and how lucky we are as baseball fans to be in the middle of these, of these two superstars and their phenomenal seasons. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like you said, I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, uh, you know, good natured, you know, at least quasi friendly banter between fan bases. Um, but let's be honest, sometimes things, especially on social media, um, particularly Twitter, get, get a little out of hand uh, and, and people people get nasty. Uh, people start, you know, personally attacking and insulting other people, which is just fucking stupid. Um, so, yeah. And so, yeah, let's not... Let's not get too caught up in that. Let's not get lost too lost in the shelf here because, I mean, Carson, you said it, man. Like, if this is the, I'm I'm hard pressed to remember another MVP race from recent memory that was not only this close but also involved. I mean, like you said, Aaron Judge, one of the best hitters ever, and Shohei Itani, a once in a generation. you know, talent as a as a two way player, um, you know, something that hasn't been a two way player, you know, something that hasn't been done since, you know, since Babe Ruth, you know. So, um, yeah, don't don't get too, you know, yeah, you know, throw some jabs at each other, whatever. But don't. Yeah. Don't get too carried away. Don't don't. Um, Don't let that get in the way of, of appreciating and enjoying, um, you know, these two just absolutely ridiculously talented baseball players. Yeah, well said. I just it, it really bugs me sometimes when this happens and not just, you know, in baseball, but like it happens in other sports, too, like. Let's just appreciate how lucky we are as fans yeah. to be able to witness this kind of talent. Yeah, happens in other sports. Happens with fan bases of uh, <laughs> happens with pretty much any fan base. You name a fan base, you know. Happens with fan bases of movies and TV shows, and oh boy, don't even get me started on gamers. Um, yeah, I'm looking at you, all the idiots who review bombed uh, the Last of Us Part Two. I'm still pissed at all of you, and you all can frankly just uh, piss off. So, anyways. Yeah, it happens. It happens in pretty much any any collection of fan bases, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, we just need to remember, just kind of try to keep things in perspective. Because, um, you know, baseball, as much as I love baseball, you know, it's not a matter of life and death. It's not that serious. Um, so anyways. Uh, all right. That's, uh, believe it or not, brings us to the end of another episode. 
why these damn episodes, these things just freaking fly by. Um, if you are looking to find us on your favorite podcast platform and listen, uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash eighth inning stretch, uh, where you can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and about a dozen other, uh, platforms. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter for all the latest at eighth inning pod, where you can also send us your mailbag questions, your comments, your questions, your suggestions, all that good stuff. Um, you can also email us at eighth inning stretch at gmail.com. And last but not least, do not, do not, do not forget to check out our awesome sprinters sponsors over at Printer Dudes um, at printerdudes.etsy.com. They have just a seriously, they have just a ridiculous collection of 3D printed uh, collectibles and gifts. They have Pokemon, they have dragons, they have dinosaurs. Um, they have, I mean, you name it, and 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 they have it. Um, that's uh, printerdudes.etsy.com, and you can use promo code Home Run uh, and save ten percent off your order as a thank you for being a fan of the show. That's uh, printerdudes d o d s. Carson, that's a uh, that's, that's a, wrap a wrap for, for another episode. For yet another fantastic episode. Um, so long, everybody. Thanks again for. Uh, tuning in as always we appreciate all of you so so much and uh, we will talk to you guys later yeah thank you guys for all your for tuning in and for all your support um yeah everybody have a everyone have an awesome weekend and uh we will talk to you guys on monday